on his phone. It's actually seated on his throne. Come let us adore him. But he was singing on his phone. Um, well, let's take our Bible tonight and go to Romans chapter 12 as we turn there. Hopefully you've had a good day. And uh, and if you haven't, it's almost over. So praise the Lord. Uh, uh, when I think that, about that too in the back, um, one of the things that can be an encouragement of renewing your mind is, is some of the things that we try to bring. And i just highlight two things tonight. One would be is a CD from the Pettit team. And I think about the Pettit team years ago. I know they were here, and it was a big blessing. And, um, and we ended up traveling with them. Actually, it's interesting to think about all the people who have been affected by uh, the Pettit team in many ways. Here's here's a here's a, a picture of discipleship when you think about uh, Steve Pettit, who um, some 50 to 60 people traveling on his team through the years, and many of them in ministry different places. And uh, when I think about even your church being affected in some ways, even having Kelly on our team, I like that, and then just to see uh, the nature of discipleship flowing around and flowing through. It's just life-touching life in many different ways. And so what a blessing that is. Um, this one is a great CD from them. It's called Before You Now. And, again, they've always got that uh, variety and all that stuff that they have there. Um, and then also not just that one, but this one is a two-volume set. It's actually, as they went off the road, if you haven't noticed, Steve Pettit, he's, well, he's no longer um, leading the Pettit team, you could say. He's actually the president of Bobbins University. And, um, and so, and actually really helping disciple students that way. Interesting from the top down. If you ever get an opportunity to hear uh, some of those messages online, they're just amazing as he's working through the text of Scripture and helping disciple. But they put together a CD called The Best of 20 Years. And uh, this is kind of a great blessing. Uh, it's two different discs. Uh, it's uh, a little over 30 different songs. And so because of that, this one isn't, um, we don't sell this one for only $14. We sell it actually for 20 because it's like having two different CDs. So it's a little bit of another special that we kind of give. But, but what a great one. I mean, it, it starts off with a song that we sang on Sunday morning called Christ is Risen. And um, as they sing that, do such a great job. Uh, so many good songs through here. Again, some 30-plus songs that are on that. That can be a blessing to you. Check, check that out at the resource table back there. And uh, girls will be back there as well. And again, that just offsets the cost of our ministry. Whether you buy anything or not, it's okay. We're not, honestly. It's uh, it's really not. We really don't make um, money off it like you can, if that makes sense. So um, hopefully that's an encouragement to you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, as so we dealt with that yesterday, we're right there in Romans 12 again. We're going to look at a couple of verses following that. And so for those of you who weren't here, we kind of challenged you. I challenged you right from the beginning. What does God want? Well, let me read these verses to you. It's Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Just, and this is, this is really what we said yesterday. It's the only way to live the Christian life. There's really no other way to live the Christian life than to really come to full surrender, to come to the Lord, just to say, and that's where it all begins. It really just begins when you die to self, that, that the Lord begins to live through you. So we talked about what does this mean? It means complete and total surrender of your whole life to the Lord. Um, it's not a new concept. We talked about Christ as he taught this multiple times in multiple venues and he modeled this and Paul, he's teaching us this and Paul modeled this. And, and so we realize this is what he desires of us. He did make us. He has all the saving mercy and all the different things of the past of his mercies in the, in the chapters leading up to this chapter here. And really it's the only logical way of true worship. 
It's the, it the only way in service, when it's speaking about service, it really is talking about full worship before the Lord. It's talking about a spiritual worship. And so really, there's no other way you can really worship the Lord than giving yourself fully to the Lord. And so you could come to a Sunday morning service. Think about how many worship services were wasted in your own life because you didn't come fully surrendered to the Lord. And yet we come and offer this sacrifice that really isn't holy before the Lord. Um, it's really not completely given in of ourselves. We're kind of pulled things back. So God is just encouraging us through the Apostle Paul that we would completely and totally surrender our whole life to the Lord. And then not only that, that we'd have this clear distinction that we'd be different from the world. Remember, as we kind of dealt with this, this idea of not being conformed, but being transformed, that constant then renewal of the mind. So this is just last night's. So boom, I just kind of gave it to you real quick because if you weren't here last night. Um, but, but tonight I want to focus in on the verses that actually follow this. And I would call this message tonight the overflow of the surrendered life. In other words, this is where it all begins in your spiritual life. When you come to a death of self and let God begin to work in and through you, then there's a natural overflow. When you do this, the overflow of ministry begins to really appear in your own life. And God wants it this way in our hearts and our lives because we see this, how we can serve God with the spiritual gifts that he's given us. If you're here tonight without Christ, the truth is, is, is you need Jesus. You can never experience a true ministry ever without Christ. And the truth is, is you need Jesus because he needs to save you from your, from your sins and from yourself. Because apart from Jesus Christ, you'll never make it to glory. You'll never be in the presence of the Lord because you sinned against an eternal God. So that's very evident. But notice verse 3. Again, this is for believers as we're here tonight looking at this. It says this, for I say... Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one as a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, and having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Uh, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. And he who teaches in teaching, and he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with, with liberality, that he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then you begin to go into how we behave. But you think about this overflow of gifts. And this is really tonight what I want to deal with. I want to deal with this, this surrendered life. And the idea is now what happens as you surrender, the natural overflow is that God has gifted you for the purpose of ministry. May God help us to understand these truths tonight. Father, I thank you for the word. I do pray for your help tonight. I realize that that so often we as believers, we hold back on on ministry when we could be used greatly. To think of a church with um, 100% participation of every member in, in ministry and service would be unreal to think about. Um, and yet it'd be every pastor's dream. And the Lord, you have given us these gifts. It's amazing, God, to be used for the purpose of our local church and for the greater worldwide church, you could even say. 
So, dear God, I pray tonight you'd stir us. Lord, so many of us, Lord, we need to be stirred. We think as we look around and we see the day approaching, Lord, may we exhort one another to even more greater love and greater good works. God, thank you so much for what you're going to do tonight, work in us. And, Lord, if there is someone here tonight without Christ, I pray that again that you would open up their eyes to the truth and, and that the reality is with the person you came to save, you came to save them, not just from their past and present and future sins, but, God, you came to save them from themselves, or they could be useful people living for your purpose and living for your glory. And God, dear God, tonight I pray that we come to you, and each one of us here, Lord, we desire to give ourselves fully to you. God, tonight you have me fully. I just give it to you. I just give myself. God, I want to be used. A living sacrifice, God, that's what we all desire. Please, we ask that you would work in us. You would renew our hearts and minds through the word. Thank you, God, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So what does God want to do? Well, I love this because the truth is the overflow of this is a person finally gets that point of kind of surrender and brokenness over self. Then the ministry begins to overflow naturally. And this is what happens. But but I say naturally, yes, but also here's some instruction in this. I mean, we look at this and we kind of say, have we have we have we learned this? Have we grasped this? Are we doing this? These are the questions that we have to ask. As we look in verse three, we see this. He says, for this or for I say through the grace given to me. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Can I encourage you tonight to say this, that God graciously gives gifts to every true believer. If you are a true believer, God has at the moment of salvation, I will say this, that God has graciously given you gifts. He has uniquely designed you for his purpose. That's amazing. I mean, when you think about this initially, I, I'll give us kind of four thoughts tonight as we look through the text of two. But one would be this is he's exhorting us as we see these things to not to what to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. I think that's the natural conclusion when we begin to think about the gifts that God has given to us. In other words, number one, about your spiritual gifts, don't be proud. I mean, really, the truth is, is don't be proud. Now, wait a second. Before I deal with the pride, I just want to say again, here's God in his unique wisdom who has gifted you as a true believer in Christ. You have been empowered and gifted by God through the spirit for specific service to him. There is nobody like you in all the world. Isn't that amazing? It's almost like when you think about a person, I mean, even your fingerprints, that's why we can take fingerprints because there's nobody has the same fingerprint in all the world. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's, it's like snowflakes. You look around and go, whoa, that is crazy. There's no, no snowflake alike, you know, and you think of all the snow that's ever fallen. You think about all the people who've ever lived. No one is exactly the same. No one is as uniquely gifted as you are. God has specifically designed you, your intellect, your skills, whatever it may be. God has given you gifts at the moment of salvation. We know that for sure. And even as you've grown up, it's amazing because God knows everything. God has given you gifts where where you, in one sense, can do things for the body that nobody else can. That is amazing. 
I think if we really dwell upon that, that should actually there should be a lot of security there. It's like it's okay. I'm like it, I'm okay that there are better preachers. You, you know what I mean? But but I do know that God's called me and given me this gift. But it is amazing when you really uniquely look at this. You 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 could get really proud with your gifts, like <laughs> you know. So God is uniquely gifted, and that's the whole point. Paul is saying, listen. God in his kindness has given you these gifts and this is radical that again in one sense nobody's replaceable but yet in many ways we could say we're all replaceable. And that's a good reminder to us because as you look at this the idea is don't be proud in all this because God has given us this way let's not look at it with pride because again everybody here this grace that's given to him here's Paul even speaking of the grace given to him that's a, a humble man saying this unbelievably gifted person. And he's saying this grace has been given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We're all uniquely designed. And that's of God. We should praise him and thank him. But we shouldn't walk around Trying to let everyone else know, I am uniquely gifted by God. You see what I'm saying? The idea is that we can brag and we can boast on this. But this is so exciting in one sense. But because God has uniquely gifted you, don't be proud with it. And the other, I think the element of it is, is the second thing tonight is this. Number two is don't be selfish with it either. In other words, these gifts are made for a purpose for the community of believers, the body. I mean, look at this as it's as it's laid out, because we see in verse four, it says, for as we have many members in one body. Notice it's, it's talking about all these different functions, but yet in one body. But all the members do not have the same function. I mean, could you imagine if we did that? That'd be really that'd be a really messed up body. You know what I mean? All we were is a bunch of heads. <laughs> you know, that would, whoa, what's that? You know what I mean? I mean, or, you know, it's all we are is a bunch of legs or, or, or now we start coveting each other's gifts, you know? Well, I want to be the, I want to be the hand. No, I want to be the fist. No, I want to be the foot. And yet we've, we've got to, we've got to begin to see this and you, you see this is for the whole body, but all the members do not have the same function. Verse five. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So wait a second. God didn't make us to be mavericks. That's not his point. Not, that's not his point. Uh, and you know what I, it's what's amazing to me again. I think about the arrogance sometimes of people who really don't join local churches. I would just ask why. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to this one guy, and he comes to me, and it's Ohio, and he, and he says this. He comes up to me and says, you know, I get the best of all the worlds. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, I'm not a member of a local church. I know you said something about being a member or something like this, too, and it was, I don't even remember the context of it, but he just said this. He says, I, I'm not a member, but I get, I get, I'm, I'm blessed. I said, how so? He says, well, I get to, I go to this church here, and I go to this church over here sometimes, and I go to this other church over here. Man, I get like the, it's like amazing. I get all this stuff. I said, well, yeah, maybe, except for this. What happens when you start tanking in your sin? He says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, who's going to church discipline you? 
If you're not really a member of any one of these, and, and if you really adhere to the doctrines, the truth is, is you got to be careful. I'm, I'm like going, I mean, I'm not going to let just anybody serve. I mean, the reality is I, I want to know who you are, and I want to understand your understanding of Scripture, because what if the person, it says, yeah, I want to come serve, and they're not even a believer. I mean, so there's an element of when you come to the, understand the doctrines of the truth, I said, man, you, that's a dangerous position to be in. If you start tanking in your sin, I mean, how's church discipline going to start? And what's church discipline about? It's about restoration. And here's a person living as a maverick. My question is, why wouldn't you join a local church? And again, in our world today, it's like you look at this and go, this is a something serious where you commit yourself and say, okay, we're all part of the body. So what do we do? We're not proud with our gifts and we're not selfish. So wait a second. If God has uniquely designed you for the ministry of the local church, here's my question. Are you using those gifts? Or are you like taking those gifts and holding them back and um, showing up to church on Sunday morning? Good preaching, preacher. Nice music. See you later, guys. Because I'm selfish. I'm taking my gifts and I'm going home. We could do that. We could be very selfish with our gifts. We can be very proud with our gifts. It's amazing to me. You know, I was so humbled on the way up here to think about those who God has called in the ministry. I think about my friend, Will Galt. Why is it, why is it peers that you can struggle with peers? In this sense, um, here we are as a ministry team. There are times as ministry teams where we hear about God's blessing upon one of the other ones. Like we're like, wow, do you hear this? Like the pet team just saw like 25 people get saved in a, in a cola war or something, you know. Our, our first response should be is, amen. Oh, that is amazing. Praise God. But isn't it weird? For some reason, it's like it's like there's a sense of a peer or something. I don't know. You sometimes there's that sense of uh, and I'm like, why? Why does? And I, and I even talked to our team members before about stuff like this. Listen, guys, we should glory in the fact that God uses us all, and we all have different functions because there are times where we see this, we go whoa and see some God do something great. But whether or not we see it, the idea is we give of ourselves to God. We just do it for God, not for self. And so on the way up here, guess what? I'm I was being ministered by my friend Will Galkin. He he had just preached at uh, at a Bible conference at Bobgins University, and so I listened to it on on a sermon listening kind of a thing as a sermon audio, I think it was. And so I'm listening to this driving down the road, and I am just I am just caught. I, I said, "Dear God, thank you for Will." I mean, he's preaching about Christ and letting Christ be sufficient in your life for everything that you so long and you love him and you just, and yet so many things would go after that aren't Christ. And what an encouragement to my own heart. But you look at this and say, okay, so, so everyone's uniquely gifted. We can be proud with our gifts. We can be selfish with our gifts. Don't be proud. Don't be selfish. And if this is the case with you, what do we, should we do? Right away, we should be saying, dear God, cleanse me of this and forgive me. I just want to be used of you with the gifts you've given to me. So this brings me to point number three. Point number three is this tonight, is learn to identify the gifts in you and even others. Do you know what they can be? I mean, I, I mean, if I were to say, what is your spiritual gift? Do you, do you know what it would be even maybe? Um, uh, do you know which kind of direction it may be? 
and, and what's amazing, he, he starts to he starts to give us these things. He starts to let it kind of flow out as we kind of look at this. We start seeing the different gifts that are there. And as he deals with this, I think that we need to deal with this in a little bit of a greater context because I think there's so much confusion in our world today with a lot of the spiritual gifts. And so I kind of want to see this a little bit tonight too and then kind of finish off with one last main point. But what are the gifts? Uh, what are some of the gifts that you that you have or or that you can use? And I would say when you look at Scripture, it may be easiest as you identify them in three ways. This might be the simplest way to be able to see it in Scripture, that there are different styles of gifts, okay? And let me see if I can can do this and hopefully give you a good understanding of this. But one of those, there's three kinds of gifts. I would say this, initially as you look in Scripture, you find what's called the sign gifts. And these seem to authenticate the gospel. These seem to be something used, and I would say in the past, in a way that, that, that points people to the Lord and goes, whoa, okay, because we didn't have completed scripture. There were things that, that were being done in the first century and things that were being done that, that weren't meant to be mimicked the same way. And I think as you see these, you can, you can see these in Scripture, and I'm going to deal with that in just a second. There's also a second style of gifts called speaking gifts. As you look at all the different things in, in, in the gifts in the Scripture, you start seeing some of the speaking gifts. And I think then there's a third style, which would be called serving gifts. All of these, as you think of through Scripture, it's like, the, what do they include? Okay, so let's deal with the sign gifts for a minute, okay? I think this is so helpful. And I say this, you know where I just came from? A place called Redding, California. I don't know if you know what's in Reading, but I'll tell you this. There's something called called a charismatic church that's a huge one there. Um, it's like massive, and people come from around the world to go to this place there. And it's amazing because I'm talking to believers, and I got this from many different directions. And how many of these people, as, like, as we witness to people, they say the hardest people to actually engage in conversation, spiritual conversation with, is with the people from this church called Bethel. And I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. It's a big charismatic church in the area. They train people and all kinds of stuff, too. Now, again, with the nature of a massive, massive uh, group of people, um, they started you know, talking. I started saying, well, what do you mean by this? And started talking until I came up with a guy. Here's a guy who approaches me um, after a cola war, and, he, and he's basically uh, wanting to correct me on some things, I think it was. And as I begin to hear this, it's interesting because uh, he did have a, a little understanding of Scripture. But, but honestly, as he's dealing with some things, it's like he, he basically said he felt really sorry f- for me because, you know, when you, when you um, get saved, you get saved, but you must be baptized to get the Spirit. Really? Um, and I'm like, man, I kind of feel bad for the criminal on the cross. Oh, yeah, Jesus said he'll be with him in paradise. So I, I guess I don't feel bad. Jesus told him that. Um, here's a guy who is who's saying, no, no, you must be baptized. And he, he believed, and I told you what's called baptismal regeneration. If a person is not baptized. And, I, and as I'm walking through the arguments of Scripture, trying to help him see it a little bit, it's interesting because he would take some obscure, not obscure, but some passages in Scripture that, honestly, you kind of read and say, well, what does he mean by that? Why does Peter say repent and be baptized? You know, why does it say this in, in different passages in Scripture? So so in, in this, it's, it's amazing because I'm talking to him saying, listen, there's certain things that were done that were not meant to be repeated the same way. And actually, we can see some of these now. And I want to take us to an understanding of even this, too, okay? And so here, the, the sign gifts, what are they? These are the gifts that I would say, I believe, truly, they, they have ceased. I, I don't think they're around, um, honestly. And, and there, are, there are some good people who may differ on this. But I think their interpretation, I, I feel like I can maybe at least help you a little bit tonight in understanding this. But what are the sign gifts? These would be gifts of healing. Um, 
gifts of miracles, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. Um, take your Bible and go to the book of Hebrews for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 2. And I want to do this. I want to try to, again, I'm not hopefully helping us. I hope I, I am helping you understand some of this a little bit. Hold on. Hebrews chapter 2. As we look there in Hebrews 2, I want to show us this in verses uh, 3 and 4. Um, it's interesting because it says in verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? And so this is, again, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Now Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. It's saying that God did some things to authenticate the gospel. Now, I, I look at this and I think one of the book, the, one of the books that can help us even too is understanding this is the book of Acts. Now, Acts, I would say, as you, as you look at and study it out, many ways you could say it this way. Acts is, is, um, is descriptive, but not always prescriptive. What I mean by that is this, is that because sometimes there are things in the book of Acts that were not meant to be repeated. So as I'm talking to this guy, trying to help him understand that there were things that were that were made to authenticate the gospel that were going to happen. So you have the book of Joel that actually prophesies um, you have uh, it prophesies uh, Pentecost in Acts chapter two. This would happen. Joel prophesies this and how there would be the the gifts of you could say tongues and the flames of fire and different things, too. So so some weird things were going on, I say. I told this guy, I said, listen, you know, when Jesus was baptized and um, it's interesting because what happened and we start talking about this, I, you know, all of a sudden here's this not a true dove, but 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 the spirit of God descending like a dove. It's like some bright light and yet something coming down. It looks kind of like this. It's really amazing. And then there's a voice from heaven. What does it say? This is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. I mean, you're going, OK. That's when you got baptized. I asked this guy, when you got baptized, was there any like bright lights and some weird dove kind of thing that came down and landed on you? Um, was, was there any voice that was from God that says, this is my beloved son. So something unique happened to Jesus. And yet we, as a symbol, we are baptized. I told him it's like my wedding ring. You know, the reality is I can pull it off. I didn't just get a divorce, but why do I wear it? I wear it as a symbol to show people that I am married. And so, you know, I have been married, but just putting a ring on your finger doesn't mean that you are married. So therefore you could have a person who's never been saved and yet they get baptized. They get baptized as a baby or they get baptized in a church. I've had many people tell me that and they think they're going to go to heaven because of that. And baptism doesn't save anybody. It's a symbol to show that you have died to self and been buried and raised to walk in newness of life. That's a good symbol. It's a symbol to show you've been washed and cleansed. I mean, it's a, it's a sim- symbol to say I've, I'm, I'm dying to self and I'm following Christ fully with my life. I mean, and what a symbol. And it's supposed to happen after you get saved. That's why to, for you to get baptized first and then get saved later doesn't make any sense. And then what, where does that picture come up with a baby? I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, and so some people say, no, that's how it like works. And other people say, no, it's more like a baby dedication. But the whole idea is, is we don't see that in scripture where it tells us to do this. Grab your infant and make sure you baptize them. uh, There's nothing in actually scripture that shows you that. 
So, so you look at this and say, okay, so that happens. Then you got the book of Acts, Acts 2, where this happens, where, where you've got now this prophesied, and then you got people, this, this great rushing mighty wind, this flames of fire appearing above people's heads, and I mean, crazy, what's going on? And then all of a sudden people speaking in tongues, and as I'm talking to this guy, I'm trying to describe this, this is literal languages. Do you see this? There are literal languages that, that God's given us, and Acts chapter 2, it tells us about these languages. Now, go there for just a second so you can see this. In Acts chapter 2, and again, these to authenticate, these signs to authenticate the gospel, this is truly of God. This was prophesied. It will happen. I mean, everything about this. Acts chapter 2, and you look and and you see actually in verse 7, it says this, and they were all amazed and they marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? (laughs) That's good. It's like repeating it, right? <laughs> She's like, help. It's read it for me. Good job. I know. Amen. <laughs> I think it was reading scripture, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm like, that was reading the verse I'm reading. Good job. That's pretty cool. Praise the Lord for pastors who can help you out. <clears throat> And so we see in verse 7, they're amazed. They're amazed and they marvel. Hey, who's doing it? Look at these. There's just like these Galileans. These, these just normal fishermen guys. Look at verse 8. And how, they, how that it is that we hear each in our own language, our own tongue means our own language, in which we were born. So these are Jews from all around the world, born in other places, but actually real Jews coming back for a special feast time. And so now they're going, whoa. How do these fishermen guys know my language? And they don't. That's like me tonight, speak, me tonight speaking Japanese. Um, that would be helpful, but I don't know Japanese. Um, it's like this. And then it says it shows you Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, there Pontus and, and Asia. I mean, you start working all the way through it, all the way down to verse 11, uh, Cretans and Arabs. And we do hear them speak, speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. And so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, hey, what, this, what could this mean? And then people mocked, you know, they're full of, they're, they're just drunk, you know, early in the morning. That's just what that's the normal. No, that's like a, it didn't make any sense. And usually when you, a person gets drunk, I've never heard a person get drunk and all of a sudden speaking in Japanese. You know what I mean? He doesn't know Japanese. So I just, that just didn't make any sense. These were of God. Something was authenticating what was getting ready to happen. And the gospel, they hear this and they're going, wow, this is our own, this is where we were born. And so I'm telling this guy, these are literal languages. And he did say to me, he says, well, you know, I, he says, what I'm talking about and speaking in tongues is a heavenly language. And I'm, I feel, he says, I feel bad that you don't, that you haven't done this yet. He says to me, and uh, I've got this heavenly language. He says, oh, that's interesting. You mean heavenly language with groanings that cannot be uttered? And he says, yes. And I said, well, then my question is, how do you utter them if they're groanings with ca- which cannot be uttered? In other words, you can't even speak them. And so you're taking that verse out of context to try to fit your what you want to have happen. And actually, in, back in the day, that would be what's going on, ecstatic speech. And they would work themselves up into a frenzy and saying gibberish and all kinds of – and that was pagan religions. 
And so he's saying, no, 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 this is literal things. These are authenticated and, and different opportunities. And you see weird things happening. And then you see them come and then you see them, you know, get baptized. And then what's interesting, you work your way further in the book of Acts. You've got, remember the Philippian jailer? I, I'm amazed at this. I, I tried to help him understand that, okay, so certain things were made to authenticate this. Jesus was saying, listen, don't you get it? There, You keep asking me for more signs and wonders. What do you think I've been doing? I've raised people from the dead and you don't believe me. And you say that my works are of are of Satan. I mean, what else do I need to do? I mean, Jesus was doing signs and wonders to authenticate exactly who he was. And he allowed actually certain people to do certain things during that time. And we didn't have completed scripture, did we? We're, it wasn't done yet. And so so there's, there's prophecies and prophesying. There's still things kind of going on. It's a weird transitional time. The birthing of the church happens. Acts 2, boom. It's like now all of a sudden the spirit of God coming and residing. It's like just just a, just like a different style. It's like it's going to be. And Jesus said, I had to go so the comforter would come. And so as you kind of see this, what's what's interesting is, is you start going further. OK, so you've got Acts chapter 16. Remember the Philippian jailer? Remember what happens there? It's like here they are at midnight. They've been beaten and they've helped a slave girl. And at midnight, what do they do? They're in these stocks in the inner prison. What would you do? If you helped a slave girl and, and let's say she came to Christ and, and um, she's no longer demon-possessed, praise the Lord, she has been rescued, and, um, and you've been beaten for the gospel. And now you're in the inter, inner prison, okay? It's not just, you're, like, you're like the hardened, hardened criminal of criminals in the inner prison, and you're all stretched out, your body is bloody, and it's at midnight. What do you want to do at midnight normally? Most people. Unless you're a teenager, you might want a game or something like that, I guess. I don't know. But the idea is you sleep at midnight. And at midnight, when they couldn't sleep, guess what they're doing? They're singing and praising God. And then what happens? Earthquake. The most odd earthquake in the world. <laughs> you know, I like guess. And, and the, 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 the chains fall off. It's like, whoa. Okay, the doors open wide. Now, what kind of earthquake does that? You know, it's like, whoa, we're all free to go. And isn't it interesting that nobody left? I mean, if you're a hardened criminal, for one thing, you're hearing them singing and praising. You're going, you guys are a bunch of wackos. You know what I mean? What are they doing in there? They've been beaten and stuff, too. And they act like this is like the greatest thing in the world. They, they, they're they hearing the gospel within the prison. The, the prison guard would have heard the gospel. Because it's like, oh, guys, wackos, you know, stuff, too. Major earthquakes happen. They're all free to go. Whoa, 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 wait. This is obvious. I mean, something prompted them all to stay. Because if you were a hardened criminal, you would run. <laughs> yes. Thank you, God. But no, they're all staying. And then what's amazing is that when the Philippian jailer sees this, he wants to kill himself because he knows he's going to be in the hands of these Romans. And he doesn't want to be. He's a Roman. He knows what they'll do. And he knows that, that, that his life is going to be taken. And so he, he's like, might as well take my own life and just get it over with. It'd be a lot better. And so he's going to kill himself. And no, 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 we're all here. And then he springs in with a light, and sure enough, the criminals are all there, which is so amazing. I mean, so the powerful impact in a short amount of time because of these men who actually walked in the power of the Spirit. And then while they're there, they're all there, and what does the Philippian jailer say to these guys? They say, he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what's the response? He says, you need to believe on Jesus, and you've got to get baptized and you got to do a bunch of good works, and then you'll get there. What does he say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. 
And what happens? They hear this. And so I said, isn't that interesting? At that point, you don't have this whole life. But it says that they washed their, the sores and stuff too, and then they were baptized. This is afterwards. They heard this. They believed this. They did this symbolically to say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. Baptism never saves you. And here's a guy, very, very confused. And I'm going, that's crazy. But it's amazing how people are looking towards this. And then he kept saying, again, I feel really bad for you that, that you don't get to speak in tongues. I mean, because how are you supposed to know that you're truly saved? I said, because I have the Bible. And God's word tells me if I call upon the name of the Lord, I shall be saved. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. It doesn't say anything in that passage about baptism. It later goes on in, in, in the book of Ephesians. I mean, it talks about not by not by the works. I mean, you've you got all the stuff. It's for by grace that you're saved through faith. I mean, as I'm showing him all of this stuff too, I'm saying, listen, this is what scripture teaches. But you're confused with the gifts. God did use specific gifts and and even people gifted in this way to authenticate the gospel. But it's interesting because as you work your way past the book of Acts, you have the, the next one. You've got, you know, Acts, Romans and and first Corinthians. But actually, Corinthians is, is written before Romans. Historically, they're not all in chronological order. But interesting, as you start to study this out, you would realize this, that actually within about four years of Corinthians as it starts to deal with this. And actually, to go, to, go, with your, go with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians real quick so you can kind of see this because they are listed among the gifts. 1 Corinthians, and uh, it's actually um, chapter 12. And so you see the spiritual giftedness in chapter 12. And, the, and these, these special gifts are verses 9 through about, um, through about 11, about 10. So like this, it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, And to another faith in the same spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So actually in first century, you have the, you have the not completion of scripture yet. You have the apostles doing amazing things and weird things that honestly, that, that's not normal. You know, here's Peter, silver and gold have I none, but, but this is the one thing I can get you. Hey, you know, you can, and he heals the guy on the spot. Now here's my question. Who in our modern day has the gift of healing that can heal people on the spot? It's amazing. You look at Christ and, and there are times, many times he healed people who are just not even believers. He did this to crowds of people and stuff too. And, and then here's, we got a modern world where you've got a major faith healer of our day who's raising money to build a hospital. You know what I'm thinking? You're like the loser faith healer, dude. If you were any good, go into the hospitals and relieve all the people. We, we live in a world where where the confusion of now can now here's my question: Can God do a miracle and heal somebody? And we would all say what? Yes. But who is miraculously gifted in our world today that can go around and that can touch people and just heal people at will? And, and you see charlatan after charlatan after charlatan 
after people's money. It's unbelievable what people do. And then you have this whole idea of, of tongues. Now, again, you say, okay, so tongues, what happened there? There is something about First Corinthians where it talks about tongues that they will cease. Something, something's going to happen. I, I will say is as you look throughout history, you start seeing this. So now you've got the apostles that, that seem to die off historically as the first century starts to go away into the second century. And you have the completion of the scripture that's there. And what happens is this. You start realizing and after that happens and the scripture is completed, there's no need for the authentication of all these things because we have the Bible itself. Everything is complete. It's done. We, and then historically, guess what you do not see? You see no sign gifts for the next, well, almost 2,000 years till what, what early 1900s and some special, special revival kind of a thing that happened and all of a sudden it started going on again. And um, you start going, well, what happened all those years? I told this guy, he said, when he felt bad for me, I said, man, you must feel bad for, for Charles Spurgeon. He said, who's that? I said, you don't know who Charles Spurgeon is? Prince of preachers? So I feel bad for people like a Martin Luther, you know, who never spoke in tongues. I feel bad for all these people throughout history that are unbelievably um, used of God that never experienced what you got to experience. Wow. It's amazing. Um. As he deals with the idea of tongues, even in Scripture, Paul later goes on to, in actually, what, chapter 14, um, as he deals with this, uh, he, he starts talking about how um, how actually, he says, I would much rather speak five words in a known tongue of exhortation and prophecy um, than I would, at, what, 10,000 words or something like that? So in the end, what's more important? That people would understand the Bible. That they would understand the truth. Prophecy in Scripture, you'll see in a couple things too. You'll see sometimes it's talking about foretelling the future. And other times you'll see that it's just, it's just actually just foretelling. It's just actually speaking the truth. It's what actually what I'm doing tonight is called prophecy, okay? And um, I'm, I'm actually foretelling truth to you, okay? So here's this guy. As he's, as he's saying this to me, I said, oh, it's interesting as you start watching this because within four years, let me put it this way, within four years at least of these gifts, they seem to already be vanishing. Something seemed to be going on because by, by Romans, you have a list of, of spiritual gifts and it's like they're, they're gone. You, you work all the way through to to first Peter and and later another later later book and they're not even there they're, there's no they're nowhere to be seen these sign gifts are are not even mentioned actually you've got stuff like the book of Ephesians and what does Ephesians tell you it tells you to be filled with the Spirit you would think and this and the, here's what this guy again said he said yes fill the Spirit and so he said let's look at this and we're looking at this and he says speaking to yourselves in tongues and stuff. So, I said no reread that in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always in all things. Submitting yourselves one to another. I said, that's the outflow of someone being spirit controlled. I said, it's Galatians. I said, think about that. Think about the fruits of the spirit. I mean, when they're listed, isn't it interesting that the fruits of the spirit and nothing's dealing with healing people and speaking in tongues. Now I have heard, I've heard crazy things like here's a missionary somewhere in a very remote place and he doesn't know the language. And it's a very odd language. I've heard this in our modern day that that um, that somehow he begins to speak in their language. I've heard that. 
I know I have no way of authenticating that. There's no way of I don't know. I've not, and I don't think there's any been any authentication of it except for what people have said. Now I would look at that and say, can you take that same guy and take him to Peru? Will he start speaking Spanish if he doesn't know Spanish? Can you take that same guy and put him in Japan and have him start speaking Japanese? And I would say absolutely not. Could God grant a miracle of tongues? Could he? I think he could. But who is miraculously gifted with this? Do you you see what I'm saying here? And again, what kind of language are you speaking? And what's the point of me getting up here and speaking in Japanese and having a Japanese interpreter? Okay, you know, in one sense, you, you, I mean, it would be helpful actually, you know. But um, but you don't you, you understand what I'm saying here? I'm saying there's there's no need for it because we've got scripture. We give that out. We don't need to authenticate anything because they have the scripture. We can give the scripture. So I look at all this and say there are certain sign gifts. So you start looking through this and you go through further in the later epistles and it's like it's gone and there's no instruction in it. And the only time there's the instruction with it is, is that Corinthians passage. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? Because we start to see again what the most prominent thing is and the things that we need to learn and understand are, 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 are all given out in Scripture. So as I look at this, I would say later Paul writes in Ephesians, actually chapter 4, verse 11, he talks about gifted people to the church. Remember that? He talks about how there were, some were gifted as pastors and teachers and prophets initially and laying it out in evangelists and, eva- and, and evangelism and, and yet all these for the sense of the, the betterment of the body of Christ. Um, so we see this. Peter writes about the gifts um, of the Spirit but with no mention of sign gifts. And really what you could say then, then actually the speaking and serving gifts that are kind of seen here in Romans. And, and, and you could say even as we look at this, that's not an exhaustive list. So let's just really quick look at that. Okay, Romans 12 again, and we'll look at this list. Again, I'm trying to give you what I can, although the study I just gave given you could be over many, many weeks of teaching. Um, but there's at least seven different examples found in, Ephesians, in Romans 12 verse 6. He says this, and having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. He says, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In other words, God has granted us. Okay, what's prophecy? Honestly, prophecy is speaking forth. First uh, Corinthians 14, verse three says, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. That's why he says prophecy is far more superior than tongues. That's what he says. And so I actually told the guy, I said, listen, I mean, that's what it says in Corinthians. So don't feel bad for me. I mean, if you're the one speaking in tongues and I'm not, but I'm actually prophesying, <laughs> this is far better according to the Apostle Paul. So I kind of feel bad for you, you know, in one sense. And maybe you should try to try to prophesy in one sense and give us the scripture. That's what God wants us to do. As you look at this, you have this whole idea of speaking forth. Some of you have that gift. Some of you, honestly, when it comes to this, you can edify people, you can exhort one another, you know how to comfort people, and all of us are gifted, again, all uniquely, aren't we? But some of you are gifted this way. And the truth is, it's not just prophecy, but it's also you have even serving here, because the idea of ministry, verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. Okay, now ministering. Okay, so so what's this? This is uh, diaconia. I mean, the idea is, it's like the, where we get the word deacon. It's the idea of serving. It's like, okay, can you serve? Yes. 
can you actually, in a sense, speak forth truth and, and exhort people? I mean, maybe not behind a pulpit, or maybe you can. And yet you've got the idea of, of where you've got different gifts and abilities of speaking truth, and yet ministering. Think about all the people that need ministry. I mean, and ministering too. And think about what could happen if we minister to people who are not even saved for the purpose of, of the gospel. Well, we might get more opportunities. I mean, think about all the people within the church that need to be ministered to. Think, think about the church itself. Are you, are you ministering? Um, you, you've got another one. You've got a, a third one, which is teaching. Okay, it's, it's this, this idea of this is, is, is the act of just explaining things. And honestly, some people are really gifted this way. They can explain something. You know what I find is some people, they, it's like I've seen really gifted preachers, but you take that same guy and put him in front of children and like, he's like a loser with kids. You know what I mean? And Steve Pettit used to make a joke. He'd say, listen, if you're a loser with, if you lose with kids, you're like a loser, <laughs> you know, and he's saying, because if really, if you just love kids, reality is you'll have a ministry to them. But the truth is, is some people are very gifted at taking something very complex and breaking it down. I think about, again, my good friend, Bob Roberts, I told you before, six foot eight. I'm like, that is amazing. He is preaching serious doctrinal truths. And yet it's so simple that a child can understand it. That is amazing. He is gifted in teaching and not everyone's gifted the same way. But yet we're all gifted in some ways. Now, think about this, not just teaching, but the idea of uh, exhortation, this 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 parakaleo. I mean, it's the idea of calling to one side. It's advising people. It's it's pleading with people It's encouraging one another. It's it's warning. It's it's strengthening. It's comforting. Honestly, I'll be honest. I I think this is one of my spiritual gifts Um, because because I feel like if I hear teaching, and I don't ever get exhorted. I'm like, ah, I'm missing something. I want to exhort people. I want to say, no, let's do this. This is what scripture says. Let's go out and obey it. And, and that's and that's part of a spiritual gift that I would have. But I look at this and say, you, you know, as you, as you think this now, wait a second. Exhortation. Hebrews 10. Go there for a second. Look at this and hold your spot. But just look at this. You know, these verses, Hebrews 10. Look what it says in verse 24 and 25. Because all of us can do this. But in Hebrews 10, verse 24, it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So, so, so how can we do this? Well, one way would be in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So as it's getting closer and closer for Christ to come back and return and for judgment and all this stuff going to happen, what should we do? We should be as Christians getting, getting more and more together. Let's get together. Let's get together. Let's, let's learn more. Let's, let's encourage one another even better. Don't forsake the assembly. You get an opportunity to assemble. Now I'm saying that, but I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. But, but do you see what I'm saying? It's like, what, what are we doing? But our, in our modern day, isn't it interesting? We have churches that, that have gone from, you know, many services in a week to down to one. Once a week. Yep, and make sure it's, make sure it's on time. What's that all about? We should be wanting more and more. It's again, it's like you think of a sports lover. What do they want? They want, man, they want to watch more and more, man. It went into overtime. Sweet. Woo! You know, like, it's awesome. But not in church. It went into overtime. <laughs> I'm going to kill Pastor. I'm going to slash his tires. <laughs> you know what I mean? What? Uh, and you look at this, go back again to Hebrews, or to, to Romans 12. As you look at this, he's, he talks about exhorting, he talks about giving. 
Um, I mean, you, you look at this idea of, of giving in verse 8. Okay, so you've got he who exhorts an exhortation. He who gives with liberality. It's like not holding back, but it's intensified giving to meet the need. It's, it's giving at the cost of something. It, it's, 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 you know, any of us can give at just such an overflow. No big deal. But it's actually sacrificially even giving. Some of you are very gifted this way. And maybe even nobody knows about it. And that's the way it should be, huh? And all of a sudden, God puts someone or something on your heart. And you say, but God, that's kind of, well, okay, God, I want to do it. And you do. And when you do, aren't you, aren't you pumped? Aren't you excited? Sweet. And then to see God supply your need in the process. I mean, it's amazing how God does this. It's not being foolish. It's not saying, you know, well, then I'm going to dump my bank account tonight. You know what I mean? It's not being foolish, but it's being wise, but it's, it's being led of God. It's giving. And, and we should be, we should all be givers. We should. Leadership. To stand before, because again, and then he who leads um, with diligence, again, because I think the tendency is, is leadership is we can easily we can easily be lazy in this, but no, give yourself fully as you lead. And think about it's to be able to stand before, to to lead with earnest zeal. It's it's and the truth is there are certain of you here that's like we give it, and man, you could do it, you could run with it because you're gifted. Um, when it comes to showing mercy, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Someone who's gifted in, in mercy, it's interesting because it's like they know how to, they, they can actually comfort what people, they can they come in time of need, uh, they, they can have sympathy with you. Uh, when I think about people of mercy, I think of my mom, my mom is gifted in mercy. And uh, now the, 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 with all these gifts, there are, there are negatives too, too, you know what I mean? So my mom's gifted in mercy and my mom's like always like, oh, but they didn't mean to, you know what I mean? It's not, no, like that kid's like slapped her across the face. He did mean it. You know what I mean? Or whatever. You know, it's like, but, but the reality is, is my mom is gifted this way. And so you know what they've used to utilize her? She actually in the church, um, would go to young mothers who have just had a brand new baby and she delivers gifts and different things too from the church to them. And, and just God uses her, her presence and how she just, she's always like, you know, that's just my mom. She's always kind of like this lovey, love, you know, oh, mom. You know what I mean? It's like, that's my mom. But I would say, too, because of that, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, things are kind of not so clear. And I'm going like, as a prophet, no, mom. What about this? You know, and, and we're all gifted differently. And so one last thought on this. Okay, as he's saying all this again, remember what he says. First of all, in verse 6, let us use them. This brings me to the very last point. Okay, remember, as I said this, don't be proud with the gifts. Don't be selfish with your gifts. Identify them. What are they? Study scripture to figure out what they are in you and even other people. Because the truth is, is if a person's not gifted in preaching, they probably shouldn't be doing that. You know, now the truth is sometimes God puts us in that or puts people, we've had people travel with us through the, through the years and, and as it finished off and I just say, listen, I don't, I, I'll be honest, I, I think God can use you in preaching stuff too, but I don't think that's what the Lord's called you. I think that your gifts lie in other areas, and that's okay. Don't don't be sad by that. Be excited. You know, if God gives you opportunities to preach, then preach. But it may be that you're not gifted this way because it's very difficult. I tell people, I sit there and I listen. So, so last Sunday morning, I wasn't preaching um, because we began it kind of Sunday evening. It was kind of a little bit different. And so I'm, and I'm sitting here listening, and I'm thankful. I'm being challenged. I'm going, man, that's good. I appreciate that. But then I'm also in my heart going, man, I sure wish I was preaching. And why do I have that desire? Because I know that God's called me to preach. 
He's gifted me and he's given me a desire to, to speak forth the truth. So, so you look at this and this idea of if you've got these gifts, use them. That's, that's number four. Use your gift. And we'll kind of finish off because you can see this encouragement even in First Peter. So go to First Peter right after James, Hebrews, James, First Peter, and look at chapter four. And we'll finish here. Chapter four. As we look there, he tells us in verse 8 that above all things, have fervent love for one, one for another. For love will, will cover a multitude of sins. Isn't that true? We should have this just this deep, serious love from God for every church member. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. you ever complain you should look for opportunities to love and help even when people sin against you and as each one received a gift verse 10 minister it to one another use your gift for the sake of the body as good stewards Of the manifold grace of God. God has given you these gifts. And you are a steward of them. You will stand before God for how you use them. Or how you didn't use them. So you better figure out what they are. And you better start using them. You see what I mean? And then you go further. Even in verse uh, 11. It says this. It says, and if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as, as with the ability which God supplies. In other words, we're trusting the Lord through the whole thing. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's all about him, isn't it? And so we look at this idea of saying, okay, so use your gifts. Don't hold back. Are you? Now, one, maybe one question is this. I think it would be a legitimate question as we kind of finish off, just to say this. Okay, so, so... How do you really know your gifts? Do you know how you know them? Yes! Start serving and just giving of yourself and look for opportunity. Could you imagine if people bombarded the pastor and say, hey, pastor, hey, what can we do to serve? You know, what can we do around the church that needs to be done? You know, and all of a sudden the pastor says, well, actually the bathrooms need to be clean. What? No, I'm talking about serious ministry like preaching, you know. No, that's what you should say. Okay, man. Okay, let's go clean them. Uh, you start serving in different ways in your local assembly, and you're going to find out real quickly what your gifts are going to be. And again, it, the truth is, is ultimately God can use us all in all of these. I mean, God can use you to speak at some certain times. It's like as you walk in the spirit, you'll see all of these probably at different points and times in your own life. And, and yet God has uniquely designed you for the purpose of his glory. That is awesome. May God help us not to be proud and selfish about it, but may God help us to let's use those gifts. And that comes out of a, out of a overflow of a surrendered life. Dear God, you got my heart and life. You got it all. May God help us live that way. Let's pray. Fathers, we've heard these truths tonight. I realize, again, this is not a specific gospel message, but this sure is gospel living.
Lord, as we look at our own hearts and our own lives tonight, we have to ask ourselves some questions. Are we using our gifts? Are we committed to the body of believers? But the deeper question is, are we really committed to our Lord? Because, dear God, when we love you and we're committed to you, we love what you love and we hate what you hate. Which means we, as you so loved your church, you gave yourself for it. As you hated sin, Lord, may we be people who are holy, who hate sin and want you and confess and forsake our sins. Lord, I think tonight as we've looked at this, maybe some of us tonight are looking at our own hearts and lives and realizing how selfish we've been. We've been so selfish because we've not been serving and not been giving of ourselves into the cause that you've called us to to do. I, I think about maybe even some saying the question, well, I don't even know what gifts I have, which how lazy we have been without even searching the scripture to even see what they are. So God, stir us up to be useful. Lord, what an amazing thing in our day and age when we could be people used of God, all just um, with a sense of love covering everything, even the multitude of sins with one another, but yet we would confront sins because we care. But in all of this, God, that we would be useful people. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, are you, are you using your gifts? And are you really using it to the full capacity? And the truth is, if we're trying to use our gifts and we're like so dirty as, as people, you, you, we just defile many. That's the, and, and yet you could say, well, then I'm not going to use my gifts. No, no. Actually, what God wants of you is you to confess and forsake sin in your life and start start serving and being useful. Don't make excuses for why you're not using those gifts. But if you're not using the gifts that God should be, he should be tugging at your heart tonight as a true believer. And the outflow should be is, you know what? I want to give my life fully and the overflow will be full service to him. I wonder who tonight would say, Jeremy, um, tonight God is speaking to my heart about actually using my gifts for his glory. And honestly, I'm being convicted. I'm being challenged. And God is just stirring me when it comes to really being useful uh, in the body of Christ. And uh, maybe his conviction is greater usefulness. Because you've been half-heartedly serving. And not wholeheartedly. But you'd say, Jeremy, pray for me tonight. God is speaking to me. I'm a Christian. And God's dealing with me about this. Using my gifts for his namesake and his kingdom. And you'd slip your hand up and hold it up. Jeremy, pray for me. Yeah. Yep. Numbers. And so. And maybe even a question. Tonight, God, how can I be used more? How can, how can I better serve you? Some of you are very gifted when it comes to, again, doing things. But maybe, honestly, maybe your heart's not been right there. So for you, that, that, that life of a living sacrifice, it needs to be go back to that again. Surrender. Surrender. And, and you know what? Study this out and serve and let God use you. Uh, is there anyone here tonight who would say, Jeremy, pray for me because I'm here tonight and, and I realize that these gifts are bestowed for believers and I have not yet trusted in Christ alone to be saved. 
And, and please, Jeremy, pray for my soul. I've not been saved yet. I've not trusted in Christ alone. And this concerns my heart. Please pray for me. And you just slip your hand up. I know to pray for you tonight. Jeremy, pray for me. I'm not saved yet. Okay, see that hand? I appreciate that. If you're not, then God is, God is calling you to himself. And then God, God will use you in a great way. It's amazing what he can do if you would turn from your sins, humbling yourself and trusting in Christ alone. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't leave here without Christ. We're going to give an invitation right here. I think it's a, a simple thing as we do this. And so let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed, our eyes closed as we do. And uh, appreciate your, your, um, your listening tonight and, and uh, lengthy uh, here. And, um, but yeah, I think need it. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, maybe God is stirring you. And um, you need to give of yourself. I want to encourage you that you would respond in humility. Say, God, here are my gifts, my talents. I want to use them for you. Maybe acknowledging the fact, dear God, I can't use, I mean, they're they're useless apart from you. And so I need to be fully dedicated, God. I don't want to, I don't want to hold back. I want to give my heart and life to you again. But when it comes to using the gifts, dear God, Empower me for the purpose of service to the local assembly. And if you're here tonight without Christ, I invite you. If God is stirring you, you could come talk to one of us. We'd love to be able to talk to you right now and, um, and help you in your spiritual life. Would you humble yourself? Would you come? And uh, we'd like to talk to you tonight. consecrated Lord to you. I wonder if we would understand the treasure of what God has given to us in the giftedness. And I personally believe that Westside Baptist Church is filled with marvelously gifted people. I really do. I say that sincerely. And you know, as Jeremy challenged us, and it is a real challenge tonight, as we use those and you will discover what God has for you because he will give you the desires of your heart. The Bible says, delight yourself, Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. You don't want to stand before God and him say, how come you didn't use what I gave you? Much better would it be for him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And all God's people said, amen and amen.